0: Our scripture reading today comes from 1 John two twelve through 14 I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for His namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Have you ever been in a situation where someone shares some good news with you and then some bad news and then some more good news with you? Have you ever experienced something like this? Well, my guess is that we've all kind of experienced all of this in our lives. In fact, this is such a, a normal experience that culturally, we even have a, a term to kind of explain this. Now, I'm not going to repeat uh, that term here this morning. You can go and Google it later if you want to. But trust me, it's a thing. You know, people, they give the good news first, and then they give their bad news, and then they give some more good news. Well, this, this is kind of like what John is doing in our text this morning, but the opposite Over the last few weeks, John, he's been issuing some pretty hard words for us, some pretty hard warnings. You know, he said things like, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And things like whoever hates his brother is in the darkness. Hard, hard words for us to hear. And in the passage for next week, John is going to continue some of these hard warnings for us which is good. You know, we we actually need these warnings in our lives. We need these truths every once in a while. But in our text today, we get a little bit of a a reprieve from these hard words. It's almost like John kind of realized, as any good pastor would, that he needed to insert some kind of reminder to these Christians of who they actually are in Jesus Christ of what's true of them so that his hard words just weren't completely crushing. So we've heard his harsh news. Today we're going to hear his good news. And next week we're going to get some more hard news uh, that we're going to have to deal with, which is great for me because I get to do the good news part. So what is this good news? You know, what does John want to actually tell us today? Well, I think John is trying to remind his readers of the confidence that they can have because their sins are forgiven by the Father, they know God, and they've overcome the evil one, which is our big point today. We can have confidence that our sins are forgiven by our Father, that we know God, and that we have overcome the evil one. And the way that John shows us this is he shows us by looking at three groups of people, which he uses to kind of represent the life stages of a Christian. He looks at the children, looks at the fathers, and he looks at the young men. So we're just going to look at each of these groups as we go along, and we'll see what John is reminding us through them. Now, the first group that John addresses is children. Look at verse 12 with me. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. Now, who are these children that John is addressing? You know, is he addressing, like, kind of like literal kids here? Well, Probably not. You know, it's probably more likely that John is using the term children to address those who are kind of new to the Christian faith. You know, he's addressing the uh, spiritually immature among them, the kind of spiritual babies in this congregation. And the first thing that he does, the first thing he wants to remind these people of is the fact that their sins are forgiven. Now notice the wording here in our text. He's not saying, you know, your sins will be forgiven. Like it's something that's going to happen in the future. He's not saying that your sins can be forgiven if you just kind of do the right things. No, he's saying your sins are forgiven. It's actually a completed action in the past. Their sins have been forgiven once and for all completely forgiven. But he doesn't want to just remind them that their sins are forgiven. He also wants to remind them that they have God as their father. Look at the end of verse 13 with me. I write to you children because you know the father. In other words, you know, these spiritual babies, they haven't just been forgiven of their sins and then they're kind of just left to fend for themselves in this crazy world. But they also have God as their father, You know, God has adopted these new believers as his own children and he loves them as his own children. And this is a concept that we actually see John talk about in his gospel as well. Look at John uh, 1 verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When we come to belief in Jesus, When the Holy Spirit illuminates our hearts to accept him as our savior, we are adopted by God and we become his children. Now just take a moment today to reflect upon that reality. You, you are a child of God. You know, oftentimes we reflect a lot upon the forgiveness of sins. The fact that our sins have been forgiven, and this is good. We should reflect upon this. It's a glorious, wonderful truth of the gospel that our sins have been forgiven. It it frees us from the bondage of sin and from our guilty consciences. So I don't want to kind of discredit the forgiveness of sins this morning. I don't want to do that. But sometimes I think we just need to take a moment and, and let the fact that God is our father just sink deep into our hearts. I mean, think about it. We have a God who loves us as a father loves his children. Just think about that. Think about the time, you know, that you uh, felt most loved by one of your parents, whether it's your mom or your dad, and, and recognize that God loves you like that, that he cares for you like that, but so, so much more. To be honest, this is something that's been really kind of precious to me uh, lately. For those of you who don't know, I had a baby over the summer, uh, our first, and it's been a lot of work. Having a kid is a lot of work. You've got to kind of feed this thing and you have to bathe the baby and you've got to read to it. So it's mind develops and you have to do all sorts of other tasks for this kid. And it's hard, hard work. Well, there's one night that I remember very, very clearly from those early days just after Hudson had been born. I was up at around 3 a.m. He's crying and I pick him up and I take him to the living room and I go sit on the couch with him and I kind of just lie down and I I hold him close in my arms so that Jode could kind of sleep in the room and I could be out there with the crying baby. Now someone had told me before he was born that it's dangerous to fall asleep with a baby in your arms. So I was really, really worried that I would fall asleep and I didn't want to let myself fall asleep. I didn't want to do anything that would potentially harm little Hudson. So, you know, there I am, I'm doing like everything I can to not fall asleep. And I'm doing that thing where your head kind of is nodding and you're waking yourself up over and over and over again. I was doing that for like two hours just because I wanted to care for my son. You know, I'm I'm dog tired. I'm on the couch preventing myself from sleeping to care for this little human being. Now, why in the world would I act like this? Why would a grown man (laughs) prevent himself from sleeping like this? Well, the answer is because of love. Love for my child. And if our love for our children drives us to do things that don't really make logical sense, then how much more does God's love for us as our heavenly father drive him to actually care for us? Infinitely more, infinitely. God loves us as a father with a never-ending, unremitting, constant, overwhelming love. You know, when we're having those rough days or those rough nights, he's there. He's caring for us in those moments. When we're having that really difficult season in our life, you know, when everything seems to be going against us, he's there and he's holding us in those moments, comforting us. When we're despised because of the things that we believe in our workplaces or in our schools or even in our neighborhoods or even maybe in our homes, He is there pouring out his love for you. Why? Because he's our father. And like any good father, he has a deep, deep love for his children. So children, those of you new to the faith have confidence today that your sins are forgiven by your father. The next group that John addresses in our text is fathers. Now, again, John is using the term fathers here to kind of point us to uh, the spiritually mature. So this text is not just for literal fathers or even just for men, for that matter. It's, it's, It's for the spiritually mature amongst his readers, the spiritually mature in his congregation. And he writes to these mature people in verse 13 saying, I'm writing to you, fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And then later on in verse 14, he writes, I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. Now, what does this mean? What is John uh, telling the spiritually mature person in the congregation? Well, I think, I think he's reminding these people of the deep knowledge they have of who God is. You know, these are people who have faithfully walked with Jesus for a long, long time in their lives. They've been obedient to his words. They've experienced the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and they're continuing to grow in their relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. So these people then, they can have confidence that they actually know God because of their maturity in the faith. You know, the well of faith that they can actually draw water from is deep because they know God. But just kind of bear with me here for a moment. I think that there's also kind of an implicit admonition in this text to share this knowledge with others. I think John is reminding these people of their knowledge, not just to kind of encourage them, but to push them to share that knowledge. Older Christians, you know, those of you who are mature believers of Jesus, you who have known him who is from the beginning, we need you. We need your experience and your wisdom in our lives. I'm not sure how many of you have heard of Martin Luther before, uh, but for those of you who haven't, Martin Luther was actually a reformer of the church in the 16th century. And he has probably changed the world more than anyone else in the last 500 years. Now, at this time, uh, the Catholic church was the most powerful institution in the whole world right? They held power over the church government. They held power over local governments. They held power over people's religious beliefs, even owning tons of land over everything. And Luther, he became convinced that this church was wrong about salvation. Luther was convinced that salvation wasn't something that we could ever earn, but something that God actually freely gave to us as a gift through faith in Jesus. Now imagine this scenario with me for a second, okay? One guy pushing back against the most powerful institution in the world at the time. I mean, this, this is the good story, isn't it? It's got all the makeup of like a true underdog story. One man, you know, risking his life for the sake of the gospel, putting every single thing he had on the line to see the true gospel message flourish. And It worked. You know, in fact, if it wasn't for the work of Martin Luther, it's very likely that we wouldn't be here today as a church. But one of the things that kind of often gets left out of Martin Luther's story is a guy by the name of Johann von Staupitz. Now, Staupitz, he was Luther's mentor. And he was an older kind of wise Christian man who just had a huge part to play in Luther's life and he always had Luther's back. You know, he was the man that helped Luther develop his understanding of salvation. He was the one that Luther would go to and talk with for hours and hours and hours about the gospel. He was the one that actually pushed Luther to read scripture more intently, and he had a deep, deep love and affection for Luther. You know, when Luther feared for his life because of the things that he was teaching and saying, uh, Stelpitz actually wrote to him and he said this, The world hates the truth. By such hate, Christ was crucified. Come to me that we may live and die together. Deserted, let us follow the deserted Christ. Stelpitz even ended up giving up his job, his position in solidarity with Luther. In fact, Staupitz had such an important impact on Luther's life that Luther once wrote, if it had not been for Dr. Stoupitz, I should have sunk into hell. Now, the reason I bring all of this up is because here's an older Christian, you know, a mature Christian, someone who has walked with Jesus for a long, long time, just loving this man and drawing drawing him closer to Jesus Christ. Here's a man who who knew him, who was from the beginning, who knew God sharing that knowledge with Luther. And the result? Well, that young man, that young Christian, he changed the world. Look, older Christians, you know you who are ma- more mature in the faith amongst us, you who've believed in Jesus for a long time. we need you. We need you to come alongside of us, to guide us through your knowledge and uh, and through your experience. We need you as as youth ministry volunteers and kids ministry volunteers to just help us raise up the next generation of young people. We need you involved in things like men's ministries and, and women's ministries to walk alongside those who are maturing in Christ at Christ City Church. We actually need you to to do things like lead house churches and just share the depth of the riches and wisdom of the knowledge of God that you have. We need you. You have a knowledge that we just don't have. You've known Jesus for a long, long time. You've grown to maturity in a way that we haven't. We need you. So be generous with that knowledge of God. Be generous with it. Share it. Bless people with it. Walk alongside someone in the church with it. Who knows? You might be a Staupitz to a Luther. So fathers, spiritually mature of Christ City, have confidence today that your sins have been forgiven by your father and that you know God. The final uh, group that John addresses today is the young men. Now, again, you know, John isn't just addressing the men here, but he's using this as a way to address everyone who is young in their faith. You know, the spiritual kind of adolescence, if you will, those who are maturing in their belief in Jesus. He's talking to the people who, who they're not completely new to Christ, but they also haven't reached that stage of spiritual maturity yet. And John, he addresses these Christians last. Why? Well, I think he does this as a way of kind of showing these people where they've come from and where they're kind of going. You know, he's saying, look, you used to be a baby in Christ and you're on your way to maturity in Christ. So persevere, keep going, push forward. Don't give up in the maturing process. And on their way to spiritual maturity, he just wants to remind them of something to just encourage them in their perseverance, in their journey. Look at uh, verse 13 with me. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. He encourages them by reminding them that they have actually overcome the evil one. They've conquered him. Satan's devices, And his work is no longer uh, completely in control of their lives. They're no longer under the, the control and domination of sin, but they actually have the power to walk away from sin. But how, you know, how is this possible? How have these people actually overcome the evil one? Well, look at verse 14 with me. I write to you young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. They've overcome the evil one by the abiding word of God, which gives them strength. This, this is the road to Christian maturity, abiding in Christ's word. David Jackman, who's a commentator on 1 John, writes there is no route to Christian maturity other than a deepening knowledge of Christ. It's as we grow in relationship with Jesus, that we grow into mature men and women of God. And this, the way this is done, is actually through scripture. You see, it's as we are nourished by scripture, it's as we abide in God's word, that the living word, Jesus Christ, abides in us. It's only as we go to this book and we read it and we study it that we are built up and grow in relationship with God. Now, I know that this text isn't just for young men. You know, I know that this text is talking to everyone who is spiritually young, both men and women. I know that it's talking to the the spiritually maturing people of any age. I know that I do. I want to just kind of pause here for a moment and I want to speak to the the young men of our church today. I personally feel burdened for the young men of our church. Young men, I have a growing sense that that you feel disillusioned with the world. You know, I have a sense that you feel like maybe you're, you're pointlessly drifting through life. Like maybe you're pathless and maybe you're kind of purposeless. Maybe you even feel a little bit like the world hates you sometimes. And because of this, you're turning to all sorts of things for help that just won't help. You know, you're turning to, to YouTube videos, and you're watching hours and hours and hours of you know guru types telling you, kind of, take responsibility, be a man, man up. You're turning to video games just to kind of escape reality, and you'll spend all your time on them just to drown out the, the noise of life. You're turning to things like pornography, because it makes you feel loved. You feel accepted. No one turns you away on on your phone screen. But listen to me today. Hear me this morning. I want you to know that if you feel like you're just teetering on the edge of a breakdown, if you feel like you aren't accepted, like you aren't loved, like you aren't worth the space that you even take up, you're wrong. Hear God's word for you today. You are strong. And God's word abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Young men, you are strong. Young men, God's word abides in you. Young men, you have overcome the evil one. And it's not just the young men. Young women, you are strong. Young women, God's word, it abides in you. Young women, you have overcome the evil one. I can only imagine how hard it is to be a young woman who follows Jesus in a social media age. You know, an age where you're just comparing yourself constantly to everyone else online. But you are strong. God's word abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. And to all of us, all those who are spiritually maturing, who are spiritually young, hear me on this. You are strong. You have Jesus Christ abiding in you right now. He's with you and he strengthens you and he has defeated the evil one on your behalf. Take hold of these truths You know, apply these things to your heart today. Believe them to be true of you in Jesus Christ. Apply these things to yourselves and mature, uh, persevere, sorry, to maturity in Christ. Young men, you know, the spiritually maturing amongst us, have confidence today that your sins have been forgiven by your father that you know God and that you've overcome the evil one. So we've looked at our three groups this morning. You know, we looked at the children, the infants in Christ. We've looked at the fathers, those who are spiritually mature in Christ, both men and women. And we've looked at the young men, you know, the, the men and women who are maturing are on their way to maturity in Christ. But before we close today, you know, we need to realize that the truths that we've been talking about are true for all of us. We've all been forgiven. We all have God as our Father. We all know Him and are in relationship with Him. We all have overcome the evil one, all of us. God's Word abides in each and every one of us here. You see, this text, this text is about our identity, as Christians. Meaning that all of us, if we've been united to Christ, no matter how old we are, no matter what gender we are, no matter how rich or how poor or any other distinction that you can think of, have confidence. Confidence that we are forgiven by our Father, that we know God, and that we have overcome the evil one. We're going to move into a time of communion together now. So if you're gathered together in a house church today, I just encourage you at this moment to get your elements prepared um, and then be ready to kind of walk through the liturgy together. And as you participate in the communion meal today, just reflect upon the reality uh, that these things are true of you when you are found in Christ. You have been forgiven. You have a wonderful, amazing heavenly father. You know him, and you're in relationship with him. You are strong, and you have actually overcome the evil one. All of these things are true of you in Christ. And they were made true for you through the cross, where Christ's body and where his blood was shed for you. So we're going to remember the cross. Take the bread today and be reminded of Jesus's words this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And take the wine today and just be reminded of Jesus's words. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You know, if you aren't a follower of Jesus, we just ask that you don't participate in the communion meal today. This isn't to make you feel excluded. Uh, It's just because this meal is actually a sign and a seal of our relationship with Jesus. It's a sign that we actually proclaim him to be the Lord of our lives and that we seek to obediently follow him through his words. So brothers and sisters in Christ, come confidently to the table with the knowledge of who you are in Jesus and be reminded of the great cost of Christ to win these things for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, thank you for the encouragement and and the reprieve that we've received, just reminding us of our identity in Jesus. Lord, thank you that our sins have been forgiven, that we've been brought into a relationship with you where we are now your children and that you have actually overcome the evil one on our behalf, that we're strong. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would remind us of these things today. No matter where we are in life, no matter what situation we're facing, that you would remind us of these things by your Spirit today so that we can go out with confidence, confidence of who we are in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to share this good news with others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.